Welcome to NoClip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think that books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rothermans. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Inscription. Inscription is a game that was developed by Daniel Mullins Games, published by Devolver Digital, and was released in 2021 on Windows. Uh, but first, if you give us a like or a rating, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, so, Inscription... There's a number of places that we could start with this. Um, mm-hmm. The first, I think, is something I want to I want to recall a bit of our past of ga- in games, uh, <laughs> uh, and call back to the episode that we did on the Outer Wilds, um, where the Outer Wilds was a game that people said, "Hey, don't play this game, or don't think about even looking into this game before you play it. Just go in entirely blind. Yeah, just play it. Just play the game, it's very good. You look at it, you're like, okay, space game. Inscription is not quite like that, because I threw osmosis because we're the last two people on the planet to have played Inscription, <laughs> apparently. Uh, didn't know it was like a card game. But that's about all I knew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but looking at the game, that's not what I got from, like, the promotional material of it. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, yeah. So I guess, yeah, definitely if you've not listened or not played and you're listening to this, we would recommend playing it, I think. Mm. Uh, if you're going to listen further. Yeah. Spoiler warning, yeah, I guess. We'll, we'll do a regular spoiler warning. I'm. This is maybe an unpopular opinion. Uh-huh. You can know a good bit about this game and and it not be ruined. I, I yeah, think. I think it's like a personal preference thing. Like me personally, I I would rather go into this knowing absolutely nothing. Sure. Counterpoint. Wouldn't you rather go into most things knowing nothing? Yes. So. But like, I feel like strongly like um like when we played Undertale, which we can't stop talking about. Apparently, uh-huh. one of those games we reference all the time. Like, I feel like if I would have known, like, just the one-sentence description on the Steam page of the RPG where nobody has to die, oh, that right, would have yeah. diminished my enjoyment of it by, like, a significant amount if I went in knowing. That's true. Like, the joy is, like, figuring it out for me, yeah. I think, more than maybe the average person. Okay. So, what we'll do, because I want to get some stuff out of the way, if you're somebody who listens to our podcast in order to determine if you want to play again. I'm going to do a mild spoiler warning. This is a mechanics spoiler warning. Mm -hmm. And then we'll get into a, the game's weird. And why is that spoiler Uh warning in like a minute and a half from now? Um, But I want to tell you about the basic mechanics of this because I was a little bit surprised by them uh-huh. <laughs> uh, when I got like at least deep enough into the game to realize what everything was that was going on um, because this is at its heart for a little while uh, already kind of a spoiler so I'm sorry it's all uh, right sorry right. <laughs> a card a deck building card game roguelite like it mashes more into that than I knew or thought about and one of the things i find really intriguing about this game uh not because of what the game did though i guess sort of because of that uh in a sort of long line of causality but short term for me the idea of playing a game that is a roguelite and not knowing it is a weird experience Mm -hmm. because you do not know 
what the consequences of what you're doing are for a longer time than you would imagine. Yeah, I kind of liked that, though. I love it. Yeah, like, I, I, I really like the beginning. Um, I think it's, like, I like one of my my first notes is, like, this is, like, next in, like, the long line of, like, meta experimental indie games that, like, gets popular. Yeah. Um, and I, I really like the element of, like, you're in the cabin. You're just dropped in. The new game option is not available. Uh, you have to continue, which already sets up like a like a mystery of like what's up with that. Yeah. Uh, so it's mysterious right from the get go, and like you walk around the cabin, like you're allowed to get up from the table. Um, you learn pretty early, and then um, if not immediately, I don't remember. Um, and there's like seemingly like mist esque puzzles in the cabin. Like it, it feels like a puzzle box where you're gonna have to like figure out what all the stuff does, mm. uh, like right under the car dealer's nose. Like it just has a really cool opening hook that like definitely and like so. I think like the roguelite element like even plays into it a little bit. Like you can like play a bit and then die and then that's like a good excuse to then go look around at stuff and be like am i missing anything like it it, right. it the pacing i think works out in an interesting way yeah it's it's very interesting and uh <laughs> and i guess this is where i'm going to put the 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 game is weird the rest of the podcast is just going to be full on spoilers so that you know to get the fuck out if you are interested and haven't played it. My yeah, elevator... this, is, this is the spoiler warning, yeah. for real. <laughs> My elevator pitch for the game, if you haven't played it, is basically, this is a card game game, and no, that absolutely is not what this game is, quote, about, mm-hmm. but it is how you mechanically interact with it. So if you're, if you're somebody like me who played three hours of The Witcher 3 and two hours of that was spent playing Gwent... Uh, you probably will like this game. Yeah, and uh, if you're on the other side of the fence <laughs> and you don't typically like card games, there's enough other stuff going on if you like a weird game to carry you through yeah. easily. Yeah, but you will have to deal with a lot of card playing. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's where I'll end it there. Big spoilers. So the, <laughs> the thing about the roguelite element and the no new game button that got me going... Uh, didn't come probably until, like, I was two-ish hours into the game, and I actually had, like, solved everything in the cabin. Because at that point, it was a... There was an aha moment in my head where I said, this isn't... This cannot be the whole game. And so now the mysterious elements really started to, like, bleed in to my uh, play experience and it transcended the spooky card game veneer that it put or put out mm-hmm. uh which i was very into um but yeah i don't know should we just talk about like quote unquote act one uh i mean y- y- we can say that loosely but like i don't think other stuff is off limits like i think that's a good way to structure it like we'll talk about the beginning part first yeah um but uh i knew nothing about this game Mm -hmm. at all other than like it's a card game um (laughs) that's like mysterious or whatever uh it's basically it and i don't know if it's because i've played so many indie games on this podcast like we specifically look for weird stuff because we like it Mm -hmm. um and i guess like we we played a game called Buddy Simulator, and that's all I'll say about that. And I think that like having played that game, like I almost immediately like 
once I like it sets you up, it shows you the card game, and then it's like, oh, you can get up from the table and look around. There was like a bunch of weird stuff. The front door is locked. Uh, you know, like there's all like these mysteries, like don't trust the card game guy, figure out all this stuff behind <laughs> his back. Like I was like, I there was no doubt in my mind there was going to be more to it. Like I was going to get out of the cabin at some point. Right. So, yeah, no, I, I agree. Like it, I, it maybe dawned on me a little sooner, but like, yeah, like there is like a you get used to the game as it is up front. And then you're like, OK, like you pivot to like what happens next yeah yeah because the (laughs) just so excited i'm so excited uh (laughs) the beginning part of this game does have to pull double duty essentially because triple duty even this is an unprecedented amount of duty that it has to pull (laughs) Mm -hmm. uh and it's basically like one has to introduce you you're trying to come up with a poop joke I was trying to think of that something about double duty. Mm-hmm. I, I could, I got nothing. I could not, wasn't quick enough. I was also kind of going on that, and it, I, it, it left. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I apologize. <laughs> we were, <laughs> we were not fast enough on the poop jokes yeah. that time. Uh, <laughs> but it has to one introduce you to the card game mechanics, which I will have words about mm-hmm. in a bit. I'm sure you will. Yeah. Uh, but it has to introduce you to them because you're going to be using them for the entirety of the 12-hour duration of this game. Then it also has to introduce the mystery. It has to basically sell its premise of being, like, kind of an escape room, which is sort of how it gets marketed in a way that, like, convinces you that, like, oh, this is a big part of the game, is figuring out these puzzles and stuff. And it also has to set the tone in such a way that when it shatters it later, it feels like it was earned. Yeah, and it, it tutorializes a lot more than you realize at first, because like all the other like areas you get access to later mm-hmm. operate under like there's similar kind of like little uh, drawer puzzles and like similar like little layouts to the areas that the like the what are they called the um, the scribes yes are. Um, make their home i guess uh so yeah and it it, it does kind of like really it really does set it all up like really neat in like that one room cabin yeah and yeah in an effective way oh it i think it absolutely rocks it the uh <laughs> the introduction of this game like the first few hours of this that are uh, the roguelite part mm-hmm. are they may be one of my favorite intros in video games. It's a strong hook, yeah. for sure, yeah. It's extremely good. It's obviously right up my alley because it's got that, like, rural horror yeah, sort yeah, of, yeah. like, flavor. Uh, and, yeah, I do like a card game. <laughs> <laughs> that, too, yeah. And, like, I also think that the, um, the cards that talk to you are genius, too, yeah. because, like, you might sit down and start playing it and then like, you know, get up, walk around, not be able to do anything really. And then sit back down and just keep playing. Mm-hmm. And the cards are there to like uh, urge you towards like, Hey, you know, like help us get out of here, man. <laughs> it's like that, that reminder. Yeah. And then like putting the, their clues and stuff in the rule book. Like I was definitely, so this game wants to mislead you. I think mm. We can just say that outright, like that's just a fact of the game. Uh, it wants you to think in, it wants you to, your brain to wander 
in a bunch of different ways so that you can never quite hone in on exactly where it's going. Yeah, there's multiple threads. Yeah, and one of the things that I had in my head was, is this game going to do a year walk, right? Like, be a kind of surprisingly weird puzzle game where all the solutions are not as they normally would be. And it only sometimes does this. They do have the, you have to find a thing in the menu. Yeah. Like your walk. And it's signaled in the exact same way. They put a little bit of the paint on uh, the options button. Yeah. Or panel. Yeah, it's got, it has moments of that. that... But yeah, but there's, those are more like only every once in a while, though. Yeah, they're like sprinkled in. Yeah. Uh, it's weird to say that like the puzzles in this game have a tone, but they do. And it's very cool they're they're like in service of the tone Mm -hmm. like most of them except for like you know the ones that are like really obtuse or you know um there to hide extra secret stuff like they're not that hard yeah they're more there yeah like for flavor like of like yeah like you're like the escape room kind of uh feeling it has for sure and also i guess we should definitely shout out before moving on from this first part Mm -hmm. uh that the the game in its entirety, when taken as a whole, uh, has these four primary characters, the scribes, uh, and I will not remember the names of any of them except for PO3, mm. who is the villain character at yeah, the end. the computer. Yeah, and Leshy. Uh, and we have to shout out Leshy for being... A really well done, done creepy design. Mm-hmm. I like the he plays the three different characters, like the trapper and the the, the fisherman. fisherman and something else. The gold, like the prospector. Prospector, yeah. Um, and he puts on the mask, and he's like, you know, because he's in shadow, and then he pokes his head out, uh-huh. and then all the stuff comes in on the side. Yeah, like the 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 aesthetics of like the that the first act where you're like at the table, and he's like across from you, like. Are, are really well done. Yeah. Um, and it, part of what I, I think the first part's like the best part of the game, personally. Um, but yeah, that's a big part of it. Um, but w- one thing I wanted to shout out, um, and I want to make sure I don't forget because it's a little thing. Um, in the cabin, there is a globe that's like on the wall behind uh, Lashy. And it is actually like a globe of the world of the game. Like I noticed the skull hand. I was like, "Oh, it's like a or skull skeleton hand uh-huh. um, on it." And I just was like, I kept coming back to the globe, waiting for it to do something because you know, because I'm thinking about all the puzzles. Yeah. And it, it never ended up doing anything that I found. Um, but then when you get to the act two and you see the world map, you're like, "Oh, like That's I recognize the- <laughs> this." Like I don't know if you would call that foreshadowing. But like it's like a great detail. Yeah, it's a, it shows that the first part of the game is consistent with it's the connected, rest of it. Yeah, yeah. So there is more to it than that. And then uh, if you fast forward really far ahead to the end of the game, uh, once you beat it, you unlock a mode that's called Casey's Mod, which is essentially like a survival mode. Um, it, it basically just brings back the roguelite part, um, but with more of the later game mechanics in it. And it is, it goes back to the cabin. And I think it goes back there for a reason. Mm-hmm. It's because it's the most enjoyable space to be in, I think. Yeah. Like, it had they, the most time put into it. Yeah. Like, they do a lot with the other segments, but none of it is as fully realized as Leshy's cabin. Yeah. And I guess another thing I wanted to talk about 
with Act One is, and I I, I want to get your perspective on this as somebody who's played m- many more card games than I have. Sure. Um, uh, I found the first act to be the hardest part of the game, and I was wondering if you did too, and if you did like, I find that kind of weird. <laughs> Um, cause like, I, I find like, like the, the act three where you're going through like the, the virtual version of the game board or whatever. Right. Um, it, it has like corpse running. Yes. Um, and I just, I found that system to in like checkpoints and mm-hmm. I found that to be like a lot more forgiving and it's weird that they aren't reversed. Yeah, it it is definitely more forgiving. I think they're the way they are because they want you to spend more time in, in... the beginning part before it reveals itself. Yeah, but I, contrary to that, mm-hmm. di- didn't. So I think that it has more to do with... There's two things in my head. One, very mild possibility mm-hmm. that just I have played millions of hours of... Magic. Um, Magic the Gathering, and I kind of grasp the the fundamental elements of card games a little bit better. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's really it. I think that they took card games, deck building games, and roguelites, the two genres of game most heavily influenced by luck, and I had good luck and you didn't. That's fair. Because we did count it up. Like you, you had, what, seven or eight? Deaths. It took me seven tries to get out of the out of the cabin. Yeah, and I had three, so it it was a lot. Uh, it was a lot smoother for me, especially once I like got what was happening. It it uh, my goals became more clear, and I knew more what I was looking for. Like it took me my whole first try. Obviously, didn't know what any of like the special squares on yeah. the map were, <laughs> so I was just like. I'll go here. Oh shit! I only have one card. I can't really. If I sacrifice this card or whatever, I'm not really getting anything for it. Yeah, like I found the sacrifice system that mm-hmm. Leshy has um, to be more interesting yeah. overall. But I, I found like the as you informed me, Hearthstone style energy yes. system to be easier. Personally, yeah. uh, I would agree. I think. Yeah, like I, I. I feel I feel dumb thinking back on it, but there were times where like with the sacrifice system, I would like get ahead of myself and I'll like have a squirrel card and I'll just play it and I don't have anything to like I want to sacrifice. Like I'll need to sacrifice like two things and I put the squirrel down to sacrifice it and don't have another one right. and don't want to kill any of my other cards. I'm like, well, fuck! I just played that card. <laughs> um, so I I would do shit like that. Mm. Um, those rookie mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> There are a lot of, like, little things like that. And also, like, I have minor gripes here and there with the introduction, though very few of them comparatively. And one of them that I have mechanically is, like, it's kind of hard to read, like, what's going on on the table. Like, it's hard to tell how many bones you have. Yeah, because they're all, like, just plopped there. Yeah, just a pile. Which I think I prefer as an aesthetics guy. Mm-hmm. That they're just kind of there on the table. But it is kind of annoying. You can't just check how many you have. Yeah. And, like, when you're in the draw phase, you can... I might be... Hold on. This might be a different thing entirely. Mm-hmm. There's some phase of the game 
where you cannot scroll up to look at the opponent's board, mm-hmm. uh, which is vital information to make I th- decisions. I think on it your might turn. be in the draw phase. No, you okay. have to draw a card first. Yeah, before you actually play. Can look at the board, and you can look at your hand, and you can look at like what's immediately in front of you, but you can't look mm. to the the far side, like the things that are going to be played in the following turn, and that that all sort of like plays into it. And I think those are just sort of like minor gripes because especially the the board thing like there you should probably be able to remember a maximum of four <laughs> things yeah and like for me like it didn't usually matter in the draw phase to like be able to look at what's over there it's like i usually like no like do i want to play a thing then right. maybe i'll draw a squirrel <laughs> if i have squirrels i'll draw a card right yeah my my thing was always it also was just a flow chart, essentially. Like, yeah. Am I completely empty-handed? Draw a card. Do I have a thing but can't play it? Draw a squirrel. <laughs> like right. it was. Yeah. It wasn't. Uh, Do I have a squirrel amount. in a jar? <laughs> yes. Uh, no, I really liked uh, this is a quality of life thing. Um, when I found out, I was like all about is like the whole card game you can play with just the scroll wheel. Oh, like yeah, just yeah, the yeah. mouse and like you didn't have to like move around with the wasp like your your view yeah i thought that was really nice i agree i i also didn't use wasp at so all I during could, the yeah. game being able to play a game like this with one hand is really nice yeah and that's that's true of a lot of like digital versions of regular card games as well they try and kind of simplify it into a single uh thing because it really is just like there's not that much that you have to be doing at any given time Mm -hmm. to the point where there were moments where I sat still for a long time thinking I was in like a cutscene or something, (laughs) but I was supposed to be moving like Mm. in the world. Oh yeah. Because I just wasn't used to using WASD in this game. And you can't hold it down either. Like the part where you're approaching the the moon or whatever, you Mm. have to like keep hitting W to move forward. forward. Um, so one thing, this is like a I I watched a video about the there's an ARG element to this game which we'll talk about later. Sure. But I was watching this YouTube video to explain it to me because I didn't find any of it, obviously, because <laughs> um, I'm not that that kind of uh, tech savvy ARG person though I wish I was. Um, but uh, they mentioned something that I thought was really cool that I didn't know about is at the campfires, um, which is a specific spot on the map during the roguelike part. Um, if you give them a ringworm card, they will all get ringworm and they will not be at any of the future fires so that you can just pump up your cards to the max level without, uh, the threat of them eating it. That's very interesting. Yeah. I have a lot of questions about that. Uh Uh-huh. Can you pump up the card more than once at a fire oh, yeah. when they are there. Yeah. That I didn't But it, it's like that. a risk-reward thing. Because like the, there's a chance. The higher the number gets, the more likely they are to eat it. Right. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Like, it always says, like, uh, th- like it asks you if you want to do it again, I thought. Or maybe the language is more ambiguous than I remember. Possibly. Because I definitely always did it once, then left, and it always had the same You could dialogue. usually get away with two times. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I I tried it three once, and they ate the card, so I only ever did a max of two uh, any other time. And that always worked for me. Interesting. Yeah. Man, I must be really good at card games, because I didn't take advantage <laughs> of that at all. Uh <laughs> 
Um, but anyway, you can break it even further. Interesting. By giving them a them ringworm. And I don't think I ever got a ringworm card. Oh um, yeah. Well, no, if, uh, if you beat it in three t- t- uh, cycles, then you pro- there were probably a, a number of cards you never saw. Yeah, for sure. Because they're actually they do keep track of your collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I checked, and I was pretty low mm-hmm. in that in pretty in all three phases of the game. I did not have a a, a surplus of additional cards, so. Um, but I thought that was good uh, as a design thing. Like I, I liked the really limited selection that you had, like having to try and make like a challenge run. Yeah, the I will say that I did change my deck like a million billion times when I was playing in the Pokemon Puzzle League part, or sorry, the Pokemon Trading Card Game part. Uh huh. Um, but never even thought about doing it during the deck building part, like the the first part in the cabin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, eh. I don't, can I just, you? There's an altered deck thing oh. in the menu, but I don't. maybe it's not active or something. Huh. Uh, yeah, I didn't know you could. Because, mm. like, I, I had a, I also, I did a thing where, because, yeah, in Act 2, you you manage your deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I moved to Act 3, you, like, I was using the same kind of cards because I picked... Um, the technology card pack. Yeah. Um, so like I, I was like, I got like a card at like one of the pickup spots on the map and I was like, Oh yeah, I should like add that into my deck. And I like pit tab to like, like manage my deck. And I'm like, Oh wait, that's not part of this part of the game. That was act two. <laughs> that was only in the second. Part. I was like, Oh shit. Okay. So maybe that is a thing. So it was missing from that part. I didn't, I don't remember about the first part. Okay. So maybe I didn't think to do it. And also I couldn't do it. So <laughs> that would make me feel a little bit better about it. Um, but yeah, I always, I thought, I thought as a deck building game, uh, mechanically speaking, act one, I think is super good. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in here that I find really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it only having four lands also. Like, the later parts have five. There's four in the second part as well. Yeah, I th- four feels right yeah, to me. It, it limits a bit of the complexity, which yeah. I think is good. Um, though it, does... it, it meets the complexity of the actual card game. Yeah. Where it's at, you know. Yeah, that's where it's at. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag, uh... <laughs> that's where it's at. Uh, and it also, and this is speaking more from a roguelite perspective, it gives you a lot of choices where you get to choose what you want to take and put into your deck. Mm -hmm. Um, Always you get to choose whenever you're upgrading a card, but then whenever you get new cards, they're always in sets of three. Um, And you got the choices like on the map and stuff too. Yeah. And I think that's really key. Like when you feel like you have agency over what you're playing, like the, the time that I won the game, Mm -hmm. I had the squirrel totem. And the Squirrel Totem gave them all Bone Lord or whatever it's called, mm. where whenever you sack them, you get four bones. Yeah, uh, yeah. See, I had one where I gave them three blood, which okay. was, like, great. That's even better. Yeah. Because what happened to me was that I was forced into... Forced into. I was fucking thrilled <laughs> to be making a deck that was, like, very bone-based. Mm. So I would have cheap blood creatures that I would sack squirrels to play, mm-hmm. and they get tons of bones, which I then used to cast, like the big the vulture yeah and yeah. like the, the eight bone drop the eight, vulture the eight bone drop <laughs> <laughs> and like the cockroach that comes bones. back to your hand every time yeah yeah, yeah. uh super good on defense a very grindy deck but it's one that like i could obviously see the through line right like i saw the ability that i had and how to build into it and that took me to victory it was 
I beat the first boss, died to the fisherman. Beat the first boss, died to the fisherman. Beat the first boss, then the fisherman, and then went all the way to the end. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was because of that, essentially. Like, I found a key synergy and was able to build around it. Mm -hmm. And that's how I felt playing my favorite roguelites are the ones where you find a synergy and build into it and become, like, very strong because of it. Yeah, no, I I agree a lot. Like, um, the choices you get to make feel meaningful to you. Like, I always really liked coming across the mushrooms and, like, like, um, in, like, beefing, like, you combine two cards together to make them even stronger of, like, the same type. Uh, always felt really satisfying to do. Like, I was, like, excited when it popped up. I was like, oh, yeah, or I got to look ahead. It's like, does this path lead to a mushroom? Mm-hmm. The way that I ended up beating the the moon, like, uh, um, which is, like, the final boss thing, uh, I lost to I got to it, and I lost to it once. And then I, when I got to it the second time, like, I was in, like, a much better position. But... I was lucky that I had the stink bug uh, on the yeah. board, and if you have it on the board, then the moon just won't attack you. <laughs> so I felt like I found like a like a cheeky little like maybe not secret, but like a a little exploit um, that that felt satisfying to do. But like yeah, like the way that like I ended up like feeling like confident in like my deck or whatever was like leaning into the uh choices where i was like oh i just gotta like what are the cards i get in my my hand a lot because you usually get the low cost cards uh when you draw um and i i was like i always have to beef those up at the fireplaces like so i when i get the low cost ones that can do like more damage and i can end the 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 matches faster and like that ended up being a strat that worked for me like really well Classic aggro strat. Yeah, you it play, was. Yeah, it was like under the green the red. Yeah, exactly. Yep. <laughs> it just it just made so much like I kept getting the stink bug and the wolf and the stoat mm-hmm. in my hand. So I was like, I might as like because like I kept not like I, I I for some reason I kept treating them like characters. Yeah. And, like, kind of ignoring them in my hand. Like, because, like, well, I think Stoat always asked you not to play him. Yes. You know, because um, he's, like, really apathetic or whatever. Um, well, the Stoat is, in the lore of the game, is PO3. It's PO3, yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, uh, so, like, I, I for some reason, I just kept not really playing them. Mm-hmm. And I don't really know why in retrospect. And then I was like, oh, wait, like, I should, like, make these cards better and use them I think that was the point of making them, giving them personalities so that you'll want to use them. <laughs> um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, I did sort of the same thing. Um, but specifically, it was with the stoat because he would always say, don't, like, don't yeah. pick me, like, especially with, like, the fire and shit. So I was just like, okay, like, I won't. <laughs> so the stoat was always just a 1 3. Yeah. Forever for me that I never but it, increased. Yeah, in this game though, like the difference between like a one three and a two three is like pretty big. Is massive. It so yeah, it's like is. it's always always worth it to pump him up one and mm-hmm. once I realized that it made the game much easier. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. <laughs> uh but yeah, so that's that's that and that we got a little bit of the mechanics in there, which is good. Um because after you complete the the a lot happens, actually. When you finish the first act of the game, the game 
it just drops its load on you immediately. Yeah. And is like, everything's going to get a little bit weird. Um, because I believe the first thing that happens is that it cuts to the Lucky Carter oh, screen yeah. of live action videos for you to watch. Yeah, I almost even forgot about this while we were talking. Um, so there's this extra meta layer. Uh-huh. Uh, cause there was already, you were playing the card game and there was the meta layer of the cabin. Um, I don't know if meta layer is a good descriptor of this, but that's just what I'm going to call it. Yeah. And then once you beat the, the, once you beat Leshy and you move on to the next to act, uh, there's this intermission kind of section where there's another meta layer where this guy who has like a card opening YouTube channel or whatever, like he buys these card packs and he's filming himself opening them, mm-hmm. um, finds this game called inscription and like, you know, goes and you know, finds it in the woods and whatever. And like, there's this whole like found footage, uh, like layer and you're like playing as him. Yeah. Which is really weird. Um, I do element and like it all, ended up in the end like not factoring into the game as much as i expected it to i think it's a little bit more there for the arg element yeah i would agree i do want to shout out one thing about it that i do like mm-hmm. uh i mean i do i like the you presentation know, yeah. i don't dislike it it's just like feels i don't want to say it's like it's tacked on but like it doesn't feel like it's like fully realized or fleshed out in the game yeah it doesn't feel well integrated yeah yeah yeah. that's the simpler way to say it (laughs) because well because it's a weird you said you weren't sure if metal layer is a good way of putting it i think it's a perfect way of putting it because when you get to that part right like it is it overlays it as a menu on the computer screen yeah like as if you're sitting in front of his computer right but to me that like abstracts everything about it to like one level too much Mm -hmm. to this meta layer where you know at that point you know what the game is doing like i guess maybe you have to have some level of experience with this kind of a game that we obviously do yeah that you know like when it goes to this you're like okay so it's going to start implying like things about the game inscription that i'm playing yeah, so like for me, I I like I beat the the moon, and I was taken to this part, and it and it is actually serve as like a nice intermission, yeah, because like you just beaten the thing that you've been trying to beat, and it's like now you just get to watch a little video, and it's like this whole new angle, you know, uh, it's interesting, and you're and you're you're sucked in, you're already invested, um, and it's just like, um, God, I keep losing my train of thought. <laughs> There's just my mind's all over the place with this game. Uh-huh. Um, like I'm thinking about it. Like if I had played this game, like God, it's about like ten years ago now. Uh, <laughs> getting old. Um, <laughs> I I feel like that twist would have like blown my mind. Mm-hmm. Whereas like playing it now, like especially after doing this podcast, um, we where we've played a lot of like weird meta games, like. like you were saying like i immediately kind of knew where it was going with itself yeah um which which is nothing against the game it's just like the bar keeps getting raised and you have to like keep like doing more and more to like really surprise people yeah and that's actually what i was going to say about the the thing that i like about 
its implementation. I don't love it being as obvious as it is. And I don't love the kind of intermission-y feel to it. It's the one that breaks in after you kill the second boss in the second part of the game. There's like a mid-level one mm-hmm. that's mostly errors, but like does the it has I think it's the part with the bit where the lady comes to his house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that one works better because it's unexpected. Yeah. Um well, I guess the first one's unexpected. You don't know it's there, but yeah. like it, you don't expect it. After knowing about it, you're surprised that it showed up again so soon. Yeah. Um, but I like that in most of this type of game, which we need a name for, the meta yeah. game. Sure, uh, that works. Yeah. The it does something to implicate the player. So it would look at your Steam thing and call me Chad or whatever. But this doesn't. It sets itself up specifically as a narrative in which Luke Carter is a character. Yeah, like a lot of other games, you it would just be you and yes. Luke wouldn't exist. Yeah. But because we have this extra layer with Luke as a part of this thing, it keeps it... In, as entirely a fictional narrative like so it th- there's a danger always when you do stuff like this that it's gonna come off as cheesy and weird mm-hmm. but to me this this works better as a whole work you know it, it like works better text. as a narrative when you have a character yes that's not you because like it adds as you were just saying it has there's danger mm-hmm. in a different sense because luke can die Yes. If it's you, like you're you're a video game character in this sense, and you can't die because it'll just reload and you'll keep playing. Yeah. So like, there's more like there's more mystery and there's more like what's gonna happen with him because he's his own character. If a game, if a meta narrative style game ever made me fear for, for my, my own, own life, life, that would be the most successful. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, <laughs> well, that is an interesting idea. Um, any aspiring video game developers who may listen to this ever because uh, like horror games make you feel that way at least like in the beginning right uh, like like when i first played outlast mm. and i walked into the asylum or whatever and i first put up the camera i was like i don't want to move forward i want to turn around and leave like i was actually like scared in the like i'm scared for my safety kind of way mm-hmm. so if you could take that somehow and put it and put it in a game somewhere else. And put it somewhere else. Uh, and pull double duty. Uh-huh. Um, you could. Uh, <laughs> I, I, there's. There, I think there is maybe something you could do with that. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it does that. <laughs> <laughs> All of that to say. Yeah, and then it moves on. But it has this this part, right? Like you get a weird icon that turns out to be the new game button. Yeah, and. I... Oh, yeah, that's a really cool... Maybe you're going to say something different. But the actual, like, stealing back the the new game icon, like, he's actually, like, taken it and hidden it yeah. in his back room, and then you can use the camera to turn him into a card. Mm-hmm. Really good use of, like... Uh, we've talked about this once again. going to bring up Undertale. Um, like, it's really cool when a game, like, establish... Uh, uh, JJ, former member of the podcast said like 
games will establish like a box that you play in mm-hmm. and then like games have this like unique ability to then break that box in a surprising way and like undertale like takes the mercy button and breaks it with the Ascore fight yeah and i thought it was like a cool like similar type of thing like adjacent thing where it's like that like the one of the bosses took the new game button <laughs> out of the menu and hit it in his cabin (laughs) so that you could not restart the game so he could stay in power like that's a cool meta video game narrative thing Mm -hmm. it also ties really well in with the roguelite part like that genre that only exists for one third of this game works in the in the sense of a continue button because you can just keep playing it even if you quote-unquote run out of lives or whatever, if you quit playing the game and restart it... Yeah, so you, you don't still... even know the difference between new game and continue. Exactly. It's It plays with it in such a good way that it's got all of these layered elements that just work functionally together. Mm-hmm. That's why the first part of this game is fucking genius. It's like an ogre. It's like an ogre. It it's has got layers. layers. Uh... <laughs> and I think, I think that's, that's just like... The first part of Inscription is, like, masterpiece level to me. And yeah. then as you move through the game, I think it wanes. And we're going to talk about that. Yeah, well, first of all, I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I was thinking yeah. the same thing. But I just want to tack on to the end <laughs> here. Um, this game started out as a game jam game, yes. as a lot of indie games do uh, these days, it seems. Um, and I think... That when you like kind of trace it back to that, that kind of makes sense because it was like the first part of the game. It was like background and shadow, mysterious card dealer, <laughs> scale on the side. You play a card game against him, and it makes sense that they take that and flesh it out into like the part that feels the meatiest. And like, like you know, and then like everything else was like what came after the initial idea. Yeah. Got but anyway, uh, there's so much more also just about. The cabin and shit. Like, oh, yeah. Aesthetically, it's, it's really good. The fact that you were, like, at the at later points in the game, you get foils or robo bucks whenever you deal extra damage. But the, the gold teeth? It's teeth in all of the... I like that you could go to the skull and take the extra and, ones. Yeah, and pull the teeth out to use as currency. Yep. Very great. And also, like, you have that, like, like I mentioned, that, like, creepy ruralness and the idea of, like, a very, like, raw physicality to everything that happens like the idea of it being teeth being like punched out has like a real like fucking hillbilly boxer kind of energy to it yeah and another thing um that really stood out to me um is the you get it you through the puzzles you get uh you obtain a knife yeah and you you have to stab out your eye to weigh down the scale (laughs) also very visceral um and animated in like a violent way Mm -hmm. um and you then later get the option to pick a new eye out of a chest and you can pick like a glowy special eye that mm-hmm. lets you see like a secret like a uh, paint um, that like reveals a secret to you. You can open the cuckoo clock or whatever and get the wolf. Um, and that's brought back later and that it is um, was it mag magnificus or whatever the magic scribes yeah, eye and he uses the paint and eye. he's the one who put all the little clues so it ties it back in yep yeah it's it's really good it, it keeps everything and i was really hoping because i did that so i did the stab my eye out thing on the second playthrough or the, my second run mm-hmm. um to get 
that shit and understand it. But then I did it again on my third run just to, like, win a match. Yeah, you can still do it. You yeah. Can, the knife comes back. <laughs> yeah, so you can continue to, to stab your, your eye your, out. your sideboard. And I was, like, looking at the other eyes. Like, one of these other ones has to do something well, else, Yeah, right? I, I almost picked a different one. Mm-hmm. I was, like, I was looking at them all, and obviously the glowy one stands out. And yep. I was, like, there was another one with, like, a weird shape on it. And I'm, like... Don't overthink this and pick the one with the weird shape. Go with the glowy one, and I did, and that was the correct choice. Uh huh. The second one that I picked was one where the there's like a name for this, and I don't remember where it's like the the pupil is like a yolk and has drifted. Oh out of yeah, the eye. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and I was like hoping that that would some like even just change like your vision or something, mm-hmm. and it doesn't. Uh, so man. I'm kind of surprised it doesn't. Yeah, it's a little shocking. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a. Uh, I was I was intrigued by all of this stuff. Yeah, oh yeah. It's great. Yep. Anyway, we're going to talk about the second half of the game, uh, which is two-thirds of the game, yeah, so which was, is luck. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, we were just talking about, like, how the found footage part's like an, an intermission. Oh, an intermission? Uh, you know what else, uh, sir? It's <laughs> a synonym for intermission. <laughs> After the break. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, so we waxed poetic about the first third of this game a lot uh, at the beginning. And now let's wax less poetic. <laughs> So as not to take a long time. Uh-huh. Uh, talking about the rest of the game. <laughs> uh, so you bop back in to the game mm-hmm. after figuring out the new game thing. Yeah, after watching those videos. Yes, and being taken completely out of how the game normally works uh, into this whole other world. And it is, I mean, I don't think I'm stretching it to call it a carbon copy of the Pokemon trading card game, Game Boy game. No, it is exactly that. <laughs> and I, I feel like I, I I knew it was going to be as soon as it like loaded up. Yeah. It's like a top-down uh, pixel art thing. I was like, oh, is this going to be like the Pokemon trading card game? I feel like... And then it was. Your character even moves at a similarly unexpectedly rapid speed mm-hmm. as well. It's like that walking animation where the legs just like move out forward. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm here for it. Oh yeah. I um, mean, because I, I don't know if we mentioned this sort of thing at all when we played that on no clip pocket, mm-hmm. hashtag no clip pocket. Yeah. Chat no clip pocket. Um, but it's on the same feed. It would be weird if you missed it. <laughs> it's, um, Pokemon, po- like trading card game league or whatever it's called. Po- <laughs> yeah. Pokemon TCG, the game boy game. Um, it is a really unique idea like making a like deck building game and adventure game Mm -hmm. and it it seems like the kind of thing that's like rife for an indie reimagining or like somebody taking the idea like well what if we tried this again um and i like that it sneakily made its way into this like i think that's very cool yeah and we did mention it i remember on that episode we talked about 
how when you when they've digitized other paper card games, they've usually chosen to do it in a very like multiplayer game style format. Yeah, the most straightforward, it, boring way. Yeah, where it, the only artifice surrounding the game itself is just menus. Uh, and we praised it for that, I think rightfully so. Uh, this would be that cranked to 15 because it's <laughs> it nestled into entirely separate uh, types of game on top of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it ends up being, it, it feels like a very huge, big, giant change when really like at the, at the core of it, it, it plays really similarly. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also introduces the first real like, significant choice for the player mechanically which is choosing a starter deck but it doesn't frame it that way it it asks you to choose which scribe you want to replace um and honestly this may be dumb of me Uh i didn't think that it would determine how the game was going to play for the next four hours. I don't think that's dumb of you. Um, when I got to it, like I walked out of my room and like asked you which one you picked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I, I both like it and don't like it at the same time. Like it, it, it reminded me of my favorite game. Uh, um, Kingdom Hearts at the beginning <laughs> presents you with these questions that will return determine how you level up, mm-hmm. but doesn't tell you that and does it frames it completely abstractly and just asks you like what you're afraid of <laughs> and like you know like what you want to accomplish in life and things like that. And I always thought that was super cool and like mysterious and interesting um, that it would do that. And this kind of gave me a similar vibe. Like it just dropped me down. It was like pick between these things and like, you don't understand what they are. So I thought that was cool, but yeah, like I, it was, it, I feel like I was really hesitant though, because I'm not good at card games. Like mm-hmm. I didn't want to pick one that was going to make the game a lot harder. Right. I was afraid of that. Yeah. And so we played through this game one time each. Um, yes. And therefore, don't really have a great sense as to what the major differences between the decks are. Um, nope. I, at different points during the game, did try and like build into the other decks, but it actually was difficult for me to comprehend because the the obvious thing to do is to just put lots of similar cards in a in one deck and yeah. say that will work, but. I think, especially for, like, the the Bones deck, the Graveyard deck, mm-hmm. re- I think absolutely requires a basis in uh, either, or maybe definitely, the, in the, uh, the animals, the creatures deck, because everything... It uses bones. Something has to die in order for you to get the resource you need to cast spells. Um but I don't know if that's how it works because when the game ends, they have you do like a series of games with all of the different scribes. Um, scribes. And the bone one just seems to have a, a fucking shitload of one, the skeleton card that doesn't cost any bones to play and dies after it attacks, and the grave diggers, which dig bones at the end of your turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so that could be the strat, and I just didn't have enough of those cards, like a critical mass of those cards to make it work. But like, I couldn't get that one to work. Yeah. I think the most self-explanatory ones to use 
are the the robot deck, uh, which operates on the Hearthstone. You get one mana a turn, and it adds up, and then you always have the maximum to spend once you reach it. And the uh, the wizard one, mm-hmm. which is the one that I chose. Yeah, and you already know how to play the beast deck, so... Yeah, and you know the beast deck. Though, honestly, I mean, I guess, once again, if you choose the starter deck, it'll give you enough stuff to, like, make work. Yeah. But, like, I don't think the beast deck has the squirrel deck in mm. in the, the second mode. I could be wrong. Yeah, I didn't mess with it, so. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think it does. I think you have to put squirrels in your deck and draw them. Uh, which makes it a lot harder, in my opinion, it seems, to really get something that works. Because uh, mm-hmm. if you ever play Magic the Gathering, the way that its resource system works is that you draw lands, and those lands produce mana, and that mana is used to cast spells, but they stay around, and squirrels don't. So, like, when you're building a Magic deck, you're supposed to put, this is weird that I'm getting into this, uh-huh. 40% roughly of your deck should be mana sources. And if you put that many squirrels in your deck, so like in a 20 card deck, if uh-huh. you had whatever that fucking adds up to, eight squirrels, you would just run out of them because they go away. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I guess you can sacrifice other creatures in order to make the mana yeah. for the other yeah. stuff. The idea is you want to win before that, yeah. I guess. But that just seems, to me, that seems like a really hard like deck building challenge. Yeah. In, in, my, in my mind's eye, because I didn't do it. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I think that you're onto something though with the um with the bone deck. I didn't experiment with it, but like the bone deck and the beast deck are like on the same side of the map. Yeah. So them like kind of interacting makes sense to me. I don't know. I mean, I, I, it seems intentional cuz they have uh, they do have like a synergy. But um I picked the electronic deck. Yes. Um and thought that it was really weird that the um, Three or P O three? Yes, is that his name. Yeah, P O three ends up being the villain. Yeah. No matter what you pick, like mm-hmm. I thought that was really weird. That I ended up picking that one, <laughs> and then it transitioned into the third act where I'm playing more of that same system. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was strange because I thought it was like dependent on what I picked that he was the villain, and it's not. No, yeah, you just always because I yeah I obviously had the same thing happen to me except I had chosen different thing. It gives you the option to choose a different yeah like who you want to replace yeah at the end but neither end up making a difference as far as the actual narrative goes um but yeah honestly like if i i didn't want to spoil the third act for you mm-hmm. so i didn't say like oh maybe don't pick the technology deck because you're gonna be doing no, more i'm glad of it. that i did so you had like a grasp of yeah it when you yeah got to the third part because that is uh <laughs> i had a third like my third act part was the hardest part of the game for me, I mm. think. Um, and it partially because I didn't understand the system as well, and then partially because I think that I think that it was just a lot more puzzly than the rest of it felt to me. Like because everything was always the same when you died and restarted, mm. it felt like you had to develop a strategy of what to do mm. in order to beat things. Like obviously sometimes you will still just steamroll and get through an encounter. But Whenever I died to something, it was like, oh, okay, so now I got to think, like, what do I do? What do I need to do? Like, what goals need to be accomplished in what order in order for me to beat this? Mm. Uh, 
obviously comes up more in bosses than it does in random encounters. But I remember there was one on a bridge that took me like four tries. Yeah, I think I was just the same one. Yep. <laughs> and I kept being like, well, I have to kill the alarm clock before turn two or else I lose. Uh. So I like went in with that mindset and being like, do I have like a, a low cost thing I can play quickly mm-hmm. to kill it? Uh, so it was like, there was a lot of, of retrying stuff in that one, which made me feel like it was the hardest, but who knows? I mean, that makes sense. Like, cause for me, it really felt like it like built on the second act, uh, which makes sense. Cause it did. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, like, and I, I felt like I kind of steamrolled the third act. Um, it, cause like you, like I, I didn't die very many times. Like, Compared to the tone of, like, the first act, mm-hmm. where, like, I kept dying, and um, then Leshy would come in and kill me, you know, and he'd take my picture, and he'd, like, talk about how I was disappointing or whatever. <laughs> like, I like I had, like, a like a two-star bounty, like, right away, because, mm-hmm. like, I just didn't lose for a really long time. So, yeah, like, it, it definitely made the third act a lot easier for me, because I had been playing that mechanic set. Yeah. In the second act. Oh, and also just on the now growing podcast theory that the two hemispheres of the map in the second act. Mm. Uh, oh, it connect. Yeah. The, I picked the wizard deck, which plays like Magic the Gathering. Um, and I ended up becoming like a split energy wizard deck, mm-hmm. uh, which, and they felt like they had synergy. And then in the third act, they also the, bring the, the gems. gems in. Yeah. The gems, there are gem cards in the electronic deck. Yeah. Uh, which is like sort of how it came to pass that I ended up with, uh, multiple like archetypes within the same yeah, deck. Cause yeah. you end up like the best card in my deck for a long time was a card that used energy, and it's one of those things, like Bones, if you have a few, like a low number of high-impact cards that use those systems sprinkled in, then they like they end up working, even if your deck isn't themed around it. Because like if you have like one card that costs four Bones in your deck, most likely four things will die before you draw it. Uh, and with energy, it's like if I have one card that uses energy, if I as long as I don't cast it before turn three or whatever it is when you actually get the mana to use it, then it works. Like it yeah, just yeah, functions. Yeah. You just like have like a big like damage card yeah. that's just in there because you can afford to pay it. Yeah, and mine actually was a wizard card that just used energy as a cost for an activated ability mm-hmm. that pumped it one one uh for three energy and a lot of games would just come down to that like i would eventually get that card play it and make it unbelievably massive and it would just destroy the other person one thing that we i didn't mention on when we're talking about act one was every time you die it creates a card of you yeah and that can you can like get that card into your deck um, you might get it by default, like the most recent one each time. I don't remember. No. Okay. I never found Brad. <laughs> okay. So I just kept naming them like Andy and then a number uh-huh. to keep track of how many times I died. Um, and like I had one that was like really good. Like I, it was like a 614 or something. <laughs> like I don't know, remember how I got it that high. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I, when, if I had that card, it just like. I could end the match on turn one if I drew him because he cost one sacrifice. Yeah. And I can just do six damage and that's enough to win. Um, and you can get those some of those cards at the end as well, which were like a big help because I had seven in rotation. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't think I... I don't think I ever saw any of those mm. uh, during my my game, like any of my death cards. Yeah, like um, on like the one of the final ish boxes. What is it like? Something with a G. Is it like Golly or something? Oh, the one that connects to the internet. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that character um, can play those old cards, uh. and then like, and also like just give them to you at some points. That might be a so the way that that boss worked for me. Oh yeah, it, like pulls one from the internet. It pulls it from your friends list, um. uh, and I have like six friends or something right. who have played inscription and so their cards would show up yeah like it'll sh- it, it makes cards with your friends like profile pictures yeah. on them yeah that happens oh okay but then they can also play like your cards from earlier in the game interesting they may have done that and i just didn't recognize it as being one of my death cards yeah yeah but i think that's possible though i don't yeah really i remember. ended up with a couple of them oh, okay like two of them i think no, neither of them were Andy, I think it was 83, right. was like 614. I didn't uh. get him. But. <laughs> I know I did. Um, there, There's like a part in that boss fight where it asks you to make a card that it's going to send mm, to somebody yeah. else. Um, and I was excited by this prospect to do that. And what like went out of my way to make a card that I thought was like super overpowered. Sure. Uh, and I don't know. His name was like dr toot or some shit uh-huh. uh and it was like all right you sure you want to do this and i was like i hope you weren't trying to troll somebody because here it is and they gave it to me but it was like a five one flyer <laughs> and I, like i had to make it cost four mana or whatever for energy uh-huh. to cast because i in order to get the power that high uh but because i did i then just played it and won on the next turn and I was like, well, damn. Like, I almost wish I would have made a less strong card in order to make the boss fight feel more substantial. Yeah, I was I was reading online about how that's supposed to work. And I don't know if what I was reading was, like, entirely... Or, like, if I interpreted it correctly. Because mm-hmm. I think it's supposed to be that you make a card that's going to get sent to another player. Right. And you're supposed to get one that somebody else made. But if it can't find somebody, you just get your card back. Huh. Uh, and I, I think that this, uh, th- what I was reading said that, like, if somebody else, if you get someone else's cards, you just automatically win. I don't know how that's supposed to work, because my card just bounced back. Like, I think I tried that fight, like, twice. Yeah. Um, it's a, in both times, I just got my card, so I don't, I can't say how, whether that's true or not. Yeah. I know that it... My impression was that it was actually not doing anything on the internet, mm. and was it's just supposed like, to. here's a card like that was randomly mm. generated, uh, and it's like this is from the internet, and I was like, neat, okay, yeah. Um, and then when it mine didn't go through, I assumed that that was scripted no. to be nope. like, here it is, now you get it. From how I understand it, that's not the case. Interesting. Uh, yeah, my second thought was that maybe it's a near automata thing where, like, at the end of the game, it sends your cards out. Oh, that's possible. Yeah. In which case, I really hope somebody got Not Smart 2000. Yeah, I made a handful, and I can't remember any of the names specifically. Yeah. That was my favorite one because I, as a ma- in Magic the Gathering, one of my favorite cards is a card called Ball Lightning, which is mm-hmm. a 6-1 trample haste that just dies at the end of the turn. Uh, so it's really cheap, 
and can do a bunch of damage at once, but it just dies. And it's not like a good card. If you ask people, like, where do you rank ball lightning? They'd be like middle-ish, mm-hmm. maybe a little worse than average. But I just love the archetype. And so I made that as a card called Not Smart 2000 and was just yeah. really excited every time I drew it. I was like, hell yeah. It was like a 3-1 with brittle or something that cost one. Like, it was just a good time. Uh I liked the card generation mechanic, is what I'm saying. Yeah, no, it was cool. Yeah. Uh, I always ended up just making a 2-2-1 drop. Fair. Because that seemed like the best thing. They are good. Yeah, for sure. Um, We didn't really talk so much about the second part. No, no. It, it, it is very cool. It's like... I don't know. I think the beginning part's the most memorable. Yeah. But I almost want to say part two is just as memorable, but, like, in a completely <laughs> different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, um, yeah, it is unexpected, and it is very, like, charming. Like, what, I didn't think this was going to happen, but, like, more comparisons to Undertale. Um, <laughs> like, the fact that, like, it feels like the pixel art game is, like, the original inscription game. And, like, the idea that it's, like, an old pixel art game, I think, adds to that. Like, all the they, that's where, like, the characters, like, talk about the old data. And, like, it feels like that's the original game. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, become, like, bastardized and, like, changed from that in point. So, I, yeah, I, I like that choice that it, it, it looks like a like a pixel art game. Um, so, I, I yeah, I think, like, the presentation-wise, I think it works really well. And, like, it's really cool to then go to the cabin in the pixel art style. Yeah. Um, and, like, how it, like, looks mostly the same um, still. But then you get to actually see the fisherman and the, the trap master, the whatever he's called. Uh-huh, the the trapper. trapper. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, I just think that's all really cool. Yeah, I think there's a... There's a lot of very neat, like, aesthetic things in this. And as we've talked about, there are, like a lot of meta layers and elements to the game as well. But I, I do want to, I want to call it the second, second chapter for being so mechanics first in its presentation. Mm -hmm. Like this, a lot of games like this get very bogged down. And I think this is the kind of game that people would refer to as being a little pretentious, uh, not inscription, but games like inscription that want to play around a lot with, the elements of the video game. Like, oh, they do a thing Yeah, the game is about how it's a game. Yeah. And I think that that gets a lot of flack. But when you look at Inscription, I can see that coming off initially. But when you start playing the second one, like, they're fucking puzzles that would have just been ignored if this game was too meta-narrative first. It, It puts its mechanics in the forefront and the card game is very complicated, which put a pin in that. Uh, we'll get to it sometime during the third act discussion. Uh-huh. And uh, there, yeah, like there's puzzles, there's a, a stuff in the overworld that you can interact with. And NPCs. NPCs, secrets to find, and things to just sort of like pop out and do that feel like they were trying to make a legitimate pokemon trading card game type game mm-hmm. um and it, it worked it worked it, shockingly yeah. well it nails that facade yeah for sure uh so yeah I, that's i the, i can't praise this game's like presentation enough the fact that it is very committed to its aesthetic 
Sucks, plural, and also manages to incorporate like a very functional game into it as well. Yeah, I don't know if I have much more to add to that other than like I I agree um totally that it's like it's it's a presentation is like just it's like fleshed out just the right amount. It's like really well considered. Um it it complements the gameplay. Like it it feels genuine, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't feel like I feel like it could come off like it's like oh it's the it's oh it's got a metal layer where it's pixel art like it could it could feel kind of like <laughs> tacked on or like not handled super well mm-hmm. but like if the game was just that like it's believable that like the game could be just that yeah like it yeah it's just well done like it's not half assed at all it's full assed pulling double duty it's pulling at this point we're at least up to quadruple duty. quadruple duty or quintuple duty yes um so, so that's yeah. a lot yeah it's just really it's 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 well done yeah um and also it's just like the most true deck building part of the game because rather than getting stuff and just automatically jamming it in you actually have lots of choice you yeah, get you, random yeah. packs it's the part where you actually build a deck yeah. really and <laughs> you're not just like picking up a new card right every now and then yeah you will get a huge influx of new cards every time you go to a new area yeah you get the booster packs and all that yeah and i I just find that very it it felt very refreshing after the first part even though i didn't need i didn't think i needed refresh yeah but then i got refreshed anyway it was like hmm I (laughs) oh there's like three new flavors (laughs) i'm so slaked right now Uh uh-huh uh but yeah, and then it ends, and you go back to sitting in a chair at a table uh-huh. uh, for the third act, which we can talk about now. Yeah, yeah, so you beat all four scribes, and mm. then, yeah, the story advances to where um, P.O. 3, uh, I think he's called P.O. 3, it's supposed to be like C-3PO, it's it like was my guess, and I keep thinking about that when I want to go to say his name and think I'm going to say it wrong. See, I have two thoughts. Uh-huh. One is that it is sort of like Leet Speak for Poe, but I sure. don't see any similarity between it and uh, the deceased poet Edgar Allan Poe. Yeah, um, or Poe the Teletubby. Could or... be Poe the Tel or the pop singer. Yeah, all these possible Poes. Mm-hmm. Uh- <laughs> possible Poes. <laughs> My new album, uh, Prose by Poe. And then the other thing that I thought that I thought I was a fucking genius for coming up with uh-huh. is his name is last alphabetically among the four scribes. Okay. And I was like, oh, is he going to get deleted last in the oh. ending no, no, he, he, he no, doesn't it doesn't happen at all. But I That's thought. That's clever, though. Yeah, I was like, I hit the bullseye right on the head. Nope. Bingo. His head actually gets ripped off. <laughs> yep, and he dies, and yeah. he doesn't come back. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, you then progress the story. I think there are more found footage clips to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll, we'll get to that ARG element. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you move on to Act 3, where you're now, similar to the first act, in a chair across from a scribe this time it's a computer monitor Mm -hmm. with a face and you're chained to the table at first which i thought was a cool uh reveal because the first thing i try to do is stand up same um as most people probably will 
and then yeah and so it's like it's like a repeat kind of of the first act but uh in a new setting in new puzzles to solve in like a different format but like it's like a similar presentation but now it's all technology yeah yeah and it's all it's tech his board is is yeah, electronic. hologram thing yeah and it is in uh, a, the cards are floppy disks yes which is cool which i there's a a joke image that floats around in the magic community of somebody who sleeved an entire deck in top loaders which is just thick plastic things mm. uh and it made me think of that because like a normal size deck in those is like two feet tall and I was like, that would be comical to have that many floppy disks in a big pile. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was me. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is, uh, yeah, so this part of the game is, uh, oh yeah, it's electronically rendered. What I was yeah, going yeah, to yeah. go into is that this is yet a third it's genre very, of game. Yeah, it's very blue. Yeah, extremely blue. Uh, and it is... More, I guess, board gamey, and it has like yeah, like a checkpoint and corpse running. System. Yeah, it's it's actually very similar to the first act, but mm-hmm. it's like just a few. It's it's a good example of how like a few tweaks can make something feel very different. Yeah, um, because like the first act also has like a board where you move a piece on it and you pick a path, mm-hmm. but this one is like a little bit more free, um, to move around, um. Yeah, like it feels more like you're moving around a board because you 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 can move any direction uh, or like up, down, left, right, anyway, and you're not just like picking between forks. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, it has checkpoints, so when you die, you don't start all the way over. Um, and yeah, and if you you don't lo- if you get back to where you died, you get to keep your money, right? Your robux. Your... <laughs> um, so yeah, yeah, and I, to me, like I found it that system to be a lot easier personally. Um. But yeah, yeah, it definitely feels different, but similar. <laughs> this is a good way to put it. It feels, it is different, it is similar, but different entirely. Yeah, and it's kind of how all the, like, it, you have, I'm sure, like, a much more nuanced opinion on this, but, like, it kind of felt like all the ga- like the different versions of Inscription that all the scribes had were kind of similar. Like, where they were all had like a similar base they were working from but all had their own spin right on how they worked yeah and it and it all sort of goes into that resource mechanic this is that pin it's remaining pin oh for yeah now. we'll come yeah, back yeah. to it i figured yeah but i agree i think because the the game ends up playing really similarly uh it doesn't it's not super jarring that it changes styles mm-hmm. um but what it does do is change the way that you sort of interact with it because you are you now have like an objective in a way that you never really you didn't know until very late in Leshy's part. Yeah. Yeah, and so it feels more It's more like you're making a beeline for the end. Yeah. This is like almost I'm like reaching for the pin, but I'm not sure it's there yet. Mm-hmm. I felt like the third act of the game drug on a little bit. Because you knew that it was set up like the second act, where you have to go to four different things and beat bosses. Mm-hmm. It's kind of retreading. Yeah. And, like, I love the bosses. Yeah. The bosses were the highlight of the third act for me. But I felt like there was a lot of me walking across bridges uh, without really being able to see where but... I was going. And eventually you just get there and you're like, oh, look at that. Yeah, I think this is another illustration of, like how different people interpret things differently. Cause like 
for me, I found the third act to be a little like a little disappointing. And but for me, it was like presentation driven, mm-hmm. where it's like once again, buddy simulator setting certain expectations in my head uh-huh. for for weird indie games like this, like because it, it goes it, you had the first act, and then you go to the second act, which is like a complete change. It it, it kind of almost like sets up expectations that the third act is going to be a third different thing, yeah. And it kind of returns back to the format of the first in a way that kind of feels like like a U-turn. I don't know. It it, it, it feels like kind of unsatisfying, right? To go back to it feels what like you a step back. Seen. Yeah, it feels like a step back. Yeah, and when you were expecting a step forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or a step even further back into the past. Maybe it's a text-based card game now. Oh, that'd be kind of cool. That'd be kind of neat, yeah. Yeah, um, uh, well, because it's, it's a robot. Do yeah. it as a text adventure? Mm-hmm. That'd be kind of cool. Now we're cooking. Now we're cooking. Now, uh, <laughs> now we're cooking that robo-meat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's like a nitpick. Uh, but yeah, I, I found myself a little disappointed that like the third act didn't have like a different presentation. Right. A more different presentation. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's strange, sort of, because it ends up being like, uh, you feel like I've seen this before, and you feel that twice. Because you feel it when you realize what your objective is, and you feel it the moment that you wake up and realize that you're doing the thing. Yeah. And they put a spin on it, but it's entirely a mechanical spin. And in your case, it was only like a 180 degree turn, because mm-hmm. you were already playing with this deck. Um, I found the energy deck for what it's worth to be pretty cool. Like I actually yeah, like no, the I, idea. A lot. I liked it too. Yeah, and I don't really like Hearthstone. Like I've played it a couple of times. It never really clicked with me. You um, probably had to pay me money to play Hearthstone. <laughs> Fair enough. But I did enjoy this simpler version of it. Yeah. Uh, but I I thought it was fun. I thought it was an interesting way of setting things up that I'd only experimented with before. Mm-hmm. So it was fun to dive in sort of like fully. Uh, I, I will say that because this is a single player game, the pin is coming out by the way. Okay. Uh, because it's a single player game, they did not have to balance things around playing against other people, mm-hmm. which is a good thing when you're making a game like this. Yeah. Uh, Cause it's real hard to balance a card game like that. Uh, and so I was very amused when they started upgrading your empty vessels because they are very strong. Uh, the, I ended up with ones that were like, they had the quills. So when they got hit, they dealt damage back. And when you played them, it gave me an extra energy. Um, and it just felt extremely broken. Yeah, I had the shield on them so they could take an extra hit. free hit. Yeah, and the spikes. Oh, yeah. Dude, the spikes are great, especially in this third act with all this, like, the alarm clock enemies that mm-hmm. had that annoying ability. Uh, being able to put something down in front of them without having to wait for them to hit you first so that it could hit them before, yeah. Yeah. Uh, was a godsend. Like, the spikes were extremely good. Um And I don't know. There's a lot of stuff there. What I want to say, and this is like, I wanted to put it here because I love the shit out of this game. Mm -hmm. And I had basically two complaints. The first one is that I think that the third act drags a little bit. Yeah. I I wish that I could have gotten through it a little bit faster because the ending is fucking really good. Um, And we'll talk about the ending and I have one other thing that I have an aspiration for. Sure. Um, The other thing is, 
this is balanced as a one-player card game against uh, an AI, mm-hmm. but I felt like that even somehow managed to have, like, feature creep. Like, there were so many mechanics in this game that I just chose not to interact with because there were too many for me to keep in my head. And, like, I've been playing Magic for, uh, like, 18 years at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it has a comical amount of mechanics. And if you said I was being hypocritical for calling this out, you wouldn't be wrong. It's just in this short time span that I spent with this game, I was like, there's one of the puzzles in the third act involves the the i don't know the ability that like kills things to your left and right not the explosion one though it's like a different one with gems on it yeah i was i oh it made it so that if a gem was destroyed it killed things uh-huh that might have been it gem blaster whatever uh-huh and i was just staring at that for like a good four minutes going like i don't even i can't pretend that i understand what I have to do to get to five damage on this. Uh-huh. Uh, there's just a lot. There is a lot to take in, and especially in the second uh, act of the game, when you're actually building decks, having to, like, figure out synergies between things was a fool's errand, because I was trying to keep track of all of this stuff in my head, and I ended up mostly just sticking with what they gave me and just making improvements the way that I would when I was a child and was like, it's a rare card. Just put it in without taking anything out. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, And I feel like I'm missing some nuance. Uh, If I was given time and played a bunch of the, of Casey's mod, I feel like I probably would have a different opinion about this, Mm -hmm. but it would have required probably more effort than the average person wants to put in. So, I'm a filthy casual uh, <laughs> card game player. I I like Magic, but the only friends I had to play it with are you and JJ. And that's like trying to play like a pickup game at, of basketball against a college athlete for me. <laughs> so, uh, I don't play it that much. Um, but uh, all that being said, like, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. Um, I think that it has the four different decks, and they... It, I do have a lot of similarities, but it almost does kind of feel like trying to combine four different card games together. Mm-hmm. And I think that those are there for repeat playthroughs for you to pick a different one. So like, I don't think that's like on you for not like wanting to interact with them all. I completely ignored the magic and the uh, bone decks. Yeah, like I did not interact with them at all, <laughs> except for playing against them mm-hmm. in their in their zones. Um. And yeah, and I feel like it has to have been what um, they wanted to do in the beginning to have which deck you pick determine the villain for the third act, but ended up running out of time oh, or to resources to, actually... to do it. Yeah, because like you only get to play against the Bone Lady and the um, the Magic Bush guy <laughs> um, at the very end, and I feel like they probably wanted them to be a bigger part of the game, mm-hmm. and, like, for you to actually play the 3D versions of their games more. Yeah. Um, I either disagree, just very quickly, I either disagree with that or agree a whole, whole lot. Yeah. Depending just, on how you look at the wizard guy. Sure. Because it seems like his entire oh, existence yeah. is a gag. No, it is. <laughs> I, I, but I, I feel like, because he was the one who was done last. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I feel like... Uh, 
on the whiteboard in the design doc, mm-hmm. they were they wanted it to be that you could any of them could be the final boss, right? Um, but ended up just with the with uh, PO three. Yeah, that's my speculation, but and it seems it. it seems like it. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I rambled a bunch there. <laughs> Now, but no, I think it's reasonable that you did not engage with all of the complexity. Yeah, and I I think that that is true. I think it's one of those things that, like I said, if you played the endless mode, you would just get a fucking handle on it. And I bet it's fun. I bet it's like really cool mm-hmm. to get used to and and build more custom decks that like really lean into certain synergies. But it just never felt to me like. Uh, I think some of it should have been reined in during the, the, the single, the regular campaign of the game because it, it did feel overwhelming. Do you ever just like flip through the rule book? No. I had this like wild idea. I know better for my own <laughs> tastes not to do that. Yeah. I had this wild idea that I was going to look at all of the abilities. And when I realized that there were more than 10, I was like, what? <laughs> like, how did they even come up with 11 animals? I couldn't name that many. <laughs> yeah, like, you do get the sense that there's a lot of stuff you're just not interacting with at all. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a card that I never found that apparently, like, can break the game in the first act called the Ouroboros. Yeah. Um, and any time that it dies, it, it gains one health and a power ah. or whatever, like, attack and defense. Uh, so you can just pump it up to, like, be, like, a 34, 34. Like, it just keeps going up mm-hmm. and just, like, just completely obliterate the first act with it. you play it again, or do you... Yeah, like, it goes back to your hand. Oh, uh, okay. And, like or not back thing. to your hand, but to your, I think, to your to your deck. Ah, uh, okay. And then you can draw it again, and it'll be a 2-2 two, two the second time, and then a 3-3, three, three, then a 4-4, four, four, and yeah. you just keep pumping it up that way. I encountered the Ouroboros in, oh, yeah. in the wild. I got, like, one of the times when they let you pick a Rare yeah, card. it never came up for me. I was so well. I never saw the ringworm, so like, there's there yeah, you go. There's definitely some stuff that we each didn't see, uh, and I was it was so deep into a run that like I knew because I'm not a idiot that like obviously there was something to it, yeah. but the card doesn't say anything. Yeah, no, it. there's a lot of cards where like when you look at them, you don't understand how they're any good. Yeah, like is it like is it like the gek? Oh yeah, or so, which one's the one where the tail comes off when it gets hit? Yeah, and it doesn't die. Uh, oh, the skink. The skink, yeah, like yeah. stuff like that. Like you don't immediately understand like what you or the cockroach was one that like I didn't get. That comes back to your head why all it was the time. any good when yeah. I got it. You know, yeah, it's stuff like that. Like, and I ran into it so late in the game that I just I remember because it was my choice was between it and long elk. Uh, Which, of course. I couldn't tell if it was just a joke because it was like a, a skeletal elk with like a bunch of legs, mm-hmm. or if it's a reference to long pig, which is like a euphemistic term to refer to like eating a person, mm-hmm. like you're eating long pig, but it's long elk because it's a big elk. I couldn't quite, I didn't know, uh-huh. uh, but I got it because it was a bone card. And I was the bone deck at that point of course. that made bones. And I was like, I do want to experiment with these cards, but also I'm so close to winning the game. <laughs> I, I don't want to throw this run away. Uh, and I felt like that's another thing that just like that gets better when you play the unlimited mode yeah, because yeah, you're yeah. going to want to experiment more. 
Uh, yeah, very cool shit. Just like it's very, it feels difficult to engage with casually. Yeah, it's it's something where it's like a not damned if you do, damned if you don't. But like it's something that you're like kind of like you have to walk a line with because the game, I think, very like smartly is like accessible to someone like me who doesn't normally play card games like i was able to beat this mm-hmm. uh without much trouble um it, but then also like to have complexity to satisfy like card game people yeah who like want to fucking build a deck for hours and keep playing it in an endless mode yeah um so yeah like so yeah it's like it's hard to balance that you know, like, to make, like, the game easy enough to get through, like, have, like, a curve for, like, the story of the game, and then also have enough on the back end to, like, satisfy the endless mode, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, I want to wrap things up, however. However. We gotta, we have to mention bosses, at least. Yeah, yeah. Because I think they're very cool. <laughs> uh, I think that the... The ones in the, in the, the, in Leshy's mode. In Act 1. In Act 1. I think work well as, um, bosses in that type of More game. More traditional kind of bosses. Yeah, it's just a thing it's where like, you have to learn a mechanic. ability, and exactly. you have to beat them twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And once you kind of figure stuff out, then it doesn't, uh... They don't they don't pose as much of a challenge, which means that on future runs you won't get hung up on them for too long. Uh and I think that's that's all good and well designed, but they're not that interesting to talk about. I think the moon is cool for yeah, what it's worth. It's like a spectacle thing. Yeah, I think that is neat, uh, but not important really for this discussion. Yeah. The second and third acts are where things get very interesting. And I think this, they definitely went a little wild. <laughs> yeah. The most notable one to me, or at least the one that I remember the most is, I don't remember what its name was, but um, it, it you picked files from your computer mm-hmm. to weigh down the scale to like win the match. Yes. So you could like browse through and try to find the biggest file you could and put it on the scale. I thought that was really clever. Funny story about that one is I read the description of the ability on the cards um, before killing one, right? Like, I looked at it. It said, when this dies, a file is placed on the scale. And I thought they meant my scale. So I picked the smallest (laughs) file I could find. Uh, But, fun fact, if you, let's say, for example regularly edit a podcast and upload videos uh to youtube you always have got a pretty big file laying around that's something like i only really use my laptop to play games on Mm -hmm. so i had less files to choose from so like at first i couldn't even tell if they were actually files from my computer um (laughs) so like this could be anybody's yeah that yeah that that took a second to like actually for me to realize what was going on Mm -hmm. but uh no, it was very cool though. It's like look for that. I was like, oh, this one's eight gigabytes. Put that yeah. downscale. I also used the classic no clip logo, the, oh, nice. the less rounded one. Because yeah, I heard somebody express like uh, an anxiety like um, that if they like they put it on the scale, that it like might get like erased or something From by their the hardware. game. Yeah, yeah. 
which I never even thought of for a second. But, like, it's cool that it gives that kind of, like, heat of the moment, like, kind of, like, you're wagering yeah. a file. <laughs> I know I picked, uh, because the, I picked the Noclip logo one for one that said, like, uh, uh, it was like pick something that's dear to you and mm-hmm. that would that had that shows age and the classic Noclip logo is from fucking 2015 yeah and it was like this is an old ass file and i was like you fucking better believe it is an old file uh and it, then it was like if this card dies you will lose it will be deleted. yeah there you go yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah and it's like i don't know if that's actually true because i walloped them yeah, uh, but also I have a copy of that file, and also yeah, when that file came <laughs> off of a, a like a Dropbox. Or yeah, something. and obviously if you think about it for five seconds, it's not going to actually delete any of your files. <laughs> that would be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I agree that one is very memorable. Yeah, very cool. Uh, a lot of the ones in this in this zone really work. Is like the the one where you choose the rules is yeah. fun. That one I found pretty frustrating <laughs> it didn't actually take me it took me maybe four tries mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, yeah that, that one that's where i landed as that well. one because like there's already like an element as we've brought up like of luck mm. where like you could just get a bad hand to start or like just not draw very many good cards towards the beginning and just kind of get fucked and then that paired with the rules like it i don't know that it kind of it kind of rubbed me the wrong way but yeah. It is interesting. Yeah, it's, for an, sure. it's an interesting And you uh, got to idea. pick its face. Yes. Which that is was fun. fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, okay, I'm okay with that. That's yeah. The, that, that's the painter. Yes. The, yeah. There it is, yeah. Uh, and I thought that was very cool. I wanted to shout out one other one, and that is the default PO3 fight, like the one from the second act. Uh, fuck it. Oh, the conveyor belt. Yes. That is the most intensely frustrating and jarring mechanic yeah that one i may once again luck may have gotten a little lucky that one took me three okay uh so less than the painter but (laughs) it was also yeah kind of frustrating yeah it was like because for me i'm playing the wizard deck so just as a a basic rundown of how the wizard deck works Mm -hmm. in your deck of cards you have your creatures and all of them cost basically zero anything to cast. You can play them for free as long as you have played an energy crystal. Right. And there are three yeah. colors of energy crystal. Vaguely familiar from the ending. Yeah. So you have to have a color of energy crystal out. And then anything that is of that color you can you play. Can play. Um, and I ended up just cutting blue from my deck completely. Or no, I did originally and then I ended up bringing it back and cutting orange so i was a green and blue deck mm-hmm. uh simic deck i was a simic deck uh because it just was way more efficient to only have to worry about two of them because if you had to have three you can only have one lane open to play stuff in it's actually a really interesting mechanic i liked it a lot uh-huh but in the conveyor belt thing it's like your lands just go away just in the middle of the game they're like oh you drew a, a red card unfortunate that your ruby is on the other side of the battlefield yeah. right now and you also um have that uh like ex- the explode bots mm. where like it'll like he'll fucking play it on this side of the board 
it'll somehow make it all the way across and then onto your side and then get attacked and destroy everything on your half. Yep. And you just get fucked. It's one of those mechanics that, like, is so hard to wrap your head around that it makes you feel like an idiot yeah. for fucking it up. I got very familiar with the explode bots by the end because I was <laughs> yeah. also playing an electronic deck I, uh, or whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like in the conveyor belt fight, they were very frustrating. Yeah, because it's like, damn, how does this keep happening? To me? Yeah, because you could just kind of, you could just get fucked. Yeah. It was the last boss that I did, and I yeah, think me it too. You, I think be. it has to be okay. You have to do all the other three before you can even get in. Okay, uh, I didn't. Or know no, that. no, it's not. Oh, you can. It, it is that way in Act Three. Mm-hmm. You had to do that one last, but in that you can beat him before. Right. Yeah. Um, but I also did him last, which is yeah. I think that's the intended thing is to do it last for most people. Um. <laughs> but I, when I got there, I remember like, uh, uh, like there are cards in the wizard deck that if you don't have a crystal of any kind out, they just die. And so there, I, I fortunately had removed most of those from my deck because they're not really that good anyway. Um, they're like your early game plays, essentially. Uh, and I remember most of them, but there, I would have turns where I'd like have a guy out and then the crystal rotates and he also dies. And I was like, cool. Now I have nothing. <laughs> yeah. They'll make it all the way around, and then the crystal falls back onto my side, and then it just poofs before it comes back to me. Uh-huh. Very irritating series of events playing that boss battle for me. Yeah, I uh, imagine. Yeah. It was still... I still think it's a good idea. It's just really frustrating <laughs> as the player. It's something that I think could be workshopped, maybe. Yeah. Like if you had control of it in some way like you could do so you, you could, could reverse it yeah like there'll be like a lever that you can attack or something and it reverses it i don't know anything along those lines yeah uh that's it though i'm done uh i did want to mention the arg mm-hmm. element um and then also the ending um but yeah i don't have a ton to say about it but like this game once again another meta layer <laughs> Because uh, it has within it an ARG, an actual like full fledged ARG, um, and it's been solved. Um, yeah, because this game's been out for like over a year, right? Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's cool because it's like a like a very like what you think of when you think of an ARG. Like I think you had to like on I don't remember what screen it is. Like maybe the start screen or something. You can like hit command c or something or control c or something and open like a console and then you had to like type something in to get a prompt to get like this first like little cipher you had to decode interesting and there were like i think like three or four different layers to it like with different clues each time um it was all pretty cool like there's some like hints hidden in the videos there's like one that we both took pictures of of like a little like uh like cocktail napkin with like some stuff written on it which was part of one of them with a lot of stuff a lot of stuff yeah Yeah. um the cocktail napkin had to have been (laughs) yeah it was sideways diagonal yeah yeah. uh and then you you had noticed the uh sticky notes on his computer monitor in one clip which is something i didn't but i watched this youtube video about it (laughs) it explained it all um, but yeah, like we both had expressed, we almost started talking about off podcast, mm-hmm. um, how we both picked up on some of that stuff 
and we expected it to be part of the game, yeah. and then it ended up not being. Uh, well, and I kind of feel that way about like the whole frame story, really. It mm-hmm. feels like it doesn't really add a ton to the game as it is um, in a way that just felt a little like kind of disappointing. Yeah, you talked uh, about in terms of balancing uh, mechanically in the Mm -hmm. game that there's a fine line that you walk when you're trying to appeal both to a casual playthrough and a hardcore audience of of people who play card games. Yes. There's also a very fine line to walk when you're implementing an ARG into a video game because if it's too obvious that it's there, Mm -hmm. then the ARG people will fucking eat you alive because they'll just solve it. They'll be like, immediately. yeah, yeah, everything was too easy and obvious to see. And if, but, and then also on that side, as a casual player, and this is what happened here, you see those things not knowing about the ARG and want to keep that information. Figure them out. And it's a huge ruined orgasm when you never get to put a big long code on a cocktail napkin into a screen. Yeah. Like I was running around in the, in like the third act walkabout zone like where's the computer that i can put this (laughs) code into and never found it yep uh and then on the other side if you make it too hard to find there's a chance that just like no one will find it for 20 years it'll be like oh this arg that started two years after the game came out nobody cares anymore yeah and then you don't have the legion of people you need to solve these kinds of things so uh yeah, I feel a little bad criticizing it, yeah, but it did feel bad yeah, for me. We we aren't ARG people. Yeah. So they seem like they liked it though. That's I'm glad like, from, it was a good ARG. From from the video I watched, it seemed like it kinda hit a sweet spot mm-hmm. where like it took them a while to figure it out, but it was like doable. So I mean I guess good job <laughs> uh for that. Because that seems like it's hard to do. Yeah. That uh, seems harder than balancing a card game. Yeah, like a lot of them fizzle out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, this one seemed like it it, it followed through. So, uh, but anyway, so the ending of the game. Yes. Um, you you end up beating, you you play through Act Three. You do the whole board. You do the boss, and then they send you to like go down to the basement or whatever to get something. Is check on a security camera. That check the camera, and yeah. then the other three scribes are down there. And they're like, just keep playing along, and uh, we'll, you know, enact our plan or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so you keep you go back to the table, you keep playing along, and then, um, what Po3 is gonna reset the game. He or he's gonna upload the game to the internet. Yeah. He so he's essentially says almost explicitly like that I'm putting it on Steam. <laughs> like yeah. he says like we're we're taking pictures for the storefront that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 And, uh, yeah, so he's going to upload the game to the internet so that a bunch of copies of the game exist where he's, like, in total control of it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and then Leshy comes up behind him and rips his head off while this is happening uh, and kills him. And then the bone bone lady mm-hmm. uh, ends up resetting the game so that they all everything just gets erased and it's just set back to, like, Factory Zero or whatever. And then as they're all getting deleted... Uh, you play a, a game against all of them, and it's like pretty cool. Like it's like get this existential kind of thing where like they know they're gonna die. Like especially it's especially impactful with with Leshy, where you play against him, and then he like the 
the scale gets deleted. Yeah. And he's like, oh, it's okay. Just stay here and play with me as long as possible. Mm-hmm. It's kind of it's it's kind of sad. It reminds me of that Justice League episode where Batman just sits on the swing with the girl who has the brain tumor. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just like, just stay with me until the end. Uh, so, yeah, it's unexpectedly sad. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, yeah, and then you, and it, it does feel a little weird to play against the bone lady and the the magic guy um because it's just the only time you ever get to play them in that format yeah um so it's like man a lot of effort went into this <laughs> uh for nothing but uh yeah re- really cool uh cap on the game for sure yeah and i really like the the commitment i think to theming at the end like the you get to see like be- because theoretically they're all sort of vying to be the main character. Yeah, they've, the they they have been for like you get the sense they've been doing this for like years. Yeah, like and they all sort years. of want to usurp the rest of them. Yeah, and they don't really want to live in peace. Uh, and you get to see like, oh well, in the overworld in the second act, like in the undead part, there was like a puzzle to solve with the uh, tombstones and stuff. And in the ending sequence, like her game is like a chess thing yeah so they like commit to all of these little bits and yeah unexpectedly sad when they like all ask to shake your hand yeah it, <sighs> the one pimple uh, is the dumb human arm yeah that uh, looks terrible i don't think it looks that bad mm. okay right, it looks fucking horrible it, it does. doesn't look anything like a castle it's i'm not going back on this one it's it it's it's like a bad like mannequin arm. It's like a bad hand. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like I, like all the hands I drew in this game. Am I right? <laughs> I'll take a double dookie on that. Joke. Uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I loved it. I thought it was great. No, uh, yeah, yeah, not the hand. I love <laughs> the sequence. <laughs> I love the whole sequence. Um, I did expect this is my one aspiration uh, is yes. that I was kind of hoping that there would be like a big boss. Not uh, not before that, but like at the end of the the grand transcendence thing. Yeah, uh, because I felt like when you talk to the the scribes, they're kind of setting up for it. They're like, just play along, mm. and then when he's distracted, like we'll they're all do three the... combined. Yeah, to like a three headed thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. but maybe that's too cliche, or maybe that's something that yeah. ended up on the cutting room floor. Yeah. As somebody who card games isn't their jam so mm-hmm. much uh i i kind of liked the briskness or like the like the it's more of like a like a narrative thrusted sequence mm-hmm. I, I liked that personally yeah that's fair it, it just like it, i wanted to satisfy the i feel like i've built a very synergistic deck yeah, yeah thing yeah. where you like fight one last thing you wanted you have a, to hit it with everything you, you got. wanted of the moon moment i wanted a the from, moon moment. from the first act yeah, yeah that's exactly what it is yeah uh and i didn't get it and i don't know i'm not too sad about it because i love the ending so much but it was something that i felt like was kind of missing yeah, i mean that's fair uh we can't not mention the Yu-Gi-Oh dual disc yeah, I was trying not to. Yeah. So the 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 final guy, the the magic guy, mm. just gives you a, a Yu-Gi-Oh dual disc and refers to it as a dual disc. Yep, and it works in the same way as it does in the cartoon. Yep. Uh I thought that was the one thing that felt too on the nose uh was the fact that he called it a dual disc. Yeah. Um but I'm okay with it cuz the Yu-Gi-Oh dual disc is a very memorable 
piece of history that <laughs> no one remembers. Yeah, except paradoxically, for yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, but I, yeah, it makes an appearance here. Yeah, I mean, you aren't wrong. It is something that feels like it. It's almost like the vortex power bat. It's like a kid's toy that's like ridiculous and memorable in like the same kind of way. Uh, like everyone knows what it is. He's ev- our age. Everybody is a vortex power. I, yeah. If you gave like Sammy Sosa a vortex power bat, would he be able to like send a baseball into space? <laughs> a baseball? No. A tennis ball? Oh yeah. Tennis, uh, yeah. I feel like a base a baseball thrown by like a major league pitcher would shred oh, yeah. a vortex power it, bat. Like, oh, it would explode. Nothing. It would just pop. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. Uh... <laughs> On the note of things being too on the nose, you aren't an avid Magic the Gathering player. No, the, yeah. The actual most on the nose thing in this game is the fact that at, like nearly every achievement is just the name of a Magic the Gathering card, like Blood Artist, mm-hmm. uh, or I named several more and don't remember them it's, already. It's fine. It's fine. It, well, once you once you pointed it out, it felt obvious that they were taking their names from something. Yeah. It was extremely weird to see it come up that often because, like, obviously there is there's a bit of a, a love letter in here. Oh to yeah, the, to like several different card games. Yeah, that the creator obviously is a fan of, but the fact that there were so many of them that came up that felt really obscure. Well, yeah. And the the um the whole um meta layer with Luke and he's like he's doing like the card opening YouTuber thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a very interesting. It's one of those things where you can really tell the creator's background. Kind of like in Sally Face, honestly. Like, you know from what, from playing this game that the guy who made it is a big card game fan, and you can tell specifically what card games he pulled stuff from. Mm-hmm, like the Pokemon Trading like Card Like the Pokemon Trading game. Card Game League, and <laughs> Hearthstone for its Nana system, and Magic for all the achievements, and some little references here and there. Uh and it's just, I don't know. It's interesting. It's very humanizing. And yeah. It's something that I do actually like when it's done in, in this style because it's it's not direct references. The dual disc, maybe uh-huh. a bit of an exception. Uh, a little bit cringy, just a tiny bit. Uh-huh. Um, but it, it felt more like these are obvious inspirations anyway. And so it felt like it, just a little acknowledgement. Yeah, doing it in achievements, I think, is fine. Yeah. I think, I think that's all. I think I've drawn all the cards from my deck. Oh, uh, you're decked out? Yeah, I'm decked out. All right. I'm decked down. Uh, do we have... Man, there's an abundance of things I could say here. Do we have fatal push thoughts? That's probably not good. It's a little wordy. A little bit. Do we... Do we have... Uh, shield bot thoughts. Oh, that's I like the <laughs> rhyme. Honestly, it's pretty good. Uh, do we have squirrel thoughts? Uh, my squirrel thoughts. <laughs> I'm about to sacrifice them. Uh-huh. Uh, this game is really cool. Uh, the end. No, um. <laughs> What are we talking about? Uh, no, yeah. As I said in the first half, I think um, 
I didn't know anything about this. I think you brought it up. Maybe JJ had mentioned it before. I don't remember. He was the original recommendation. Well, there you go. And I really latched onto it and kept being like, let's do this one. Uh, And I'm glad I didn't know anything. Like, I I do usually do a lot of, like, not a lot of, but, like, I do usually look into at least, like, vaguely the games that we're going to play. But this one, I just, it just came up and I was like, sure. And, um, just almost immediately liked it as soon as like i like you know you sit down at the table it's very atmospheric the no continue or no new game button immediately intriguing great hook um but yeah as soon as like i could stand up from the table and like walk around as i said it felt like almost like mist like you know like there's like these weird puzzles i don't understand they were simpler than they appeared but like it does have that feeling at first which is a very cool feeling mm-hmm. um yeah in the beginning of it yeah just as we we waxed poetic uh, about it um in the first half it's just very cool very fleshed out um a lot of little details as we mentioned like the globe etc the eyeball all that stuff that like both tie into like the future of the game um the in the then the preceding two acts so yeah lots of cool layers lots of detail like really feels like a labor of love um it's it's really cool to see the pokemon trading card game part um just really there's just a lot to appreciate um and it's something that's like this ambitious like actually be pulled off well like I, we alluded to other games, like there's other weird meta indie games out there and like not all of them stick the landing and some of them even do stick the landing, but like kind of feel like they're not, they don't stand on their own enough. And I think this one really pulls it off and has something to say or like something interesting to do with the meta elements in a way that I really appreciate. Um, I, I wish I could be an ARG person so I can get the full, full, full experience, mm-hmm. but I'm not. So, but, uh, that being said, yeah, like as somebody who's not like a big card game person, I still found this like accessible and interesting, like all the other presentation elements really pulled me through and I did end up actually liking the card game. Um, and yeah, and I think I like the original format the best where you sacrifice the squirrels, um, for what that's worth. But I didn't really play the bone or the magic ones very much at all. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess there's just so much in this game, it's hard to wrap it all up. So I guess I'll just stop talking and say it's really cool um, and unique in a way that, like, actually felt, like, fresh. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. My final thoughts don't fall too far away from that. I, I think, to me, the most impressive thing about this game is how many different elements they were able to include that really felt like they synergized like there's a lot of stuff here that feels disparate uh the first person perspective puzzle escape room part the uh the pokemon trading card game league part the escape room part with the also having a uh roguelike sort of stapled into it as well as the card game and you take all those elements and it, they feel like it would seem very choppy to play, but it actually coheres a lot better than you would think. Um, elements like you mentioned with the skull and the globe and stuff and that all, or the eyeball and the globe that tie into the other stuff really just like sells it for me. Like it's, it's stuff like that, that makes me feel like this was chosen with a, to have a theme and they followed it 
to the letter like they had like a production bible that was like this is gonna be here then it has to be reflected in this and it does seem like it was probably pretty hard to put together um which is why when i say that i have any complaints at all they really do boil down to like very minor gripey sort of mechanical things that uh, don't really bother the overall presentation of the game. And as such, I would recommend this to pretty much anybody who can deal with a card game at all. Like, if it's something that bores you to tears, I guess maybe no. But this game is incredible in a lot of ways. And uh, I fucking loved it. And this this year has been a, a year of hot and cold for me. And I'm extremely hot on this right now. So Yeah, like if you would have told me you're gonna play a like card like a deck building roguelite, mm-hmm. that seems like something I would not be able to like just <laughs> play at all. Uh-huh. And if I'm able to like easily just keep like play it for hours, uh then I think it, most people would be able to get into it. Yeah. Inscription, thumbs up from Andy. Slay the Spire. Andy does not want a piece of that. (laughs) That's probably very accurate. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Noclip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're maybe one of the largest tonal and just philosophical jumps that we've made in a very long time. Mm -hmm. We're going to be talking about... The Borderlands sort of spin-off, not really. Like, spiritual sequel. Yeah, Tiny Tina's Wonderland, which is this year's entry into the Borderlands yeah. franchise. Fantasy Borderlands. Fantasy. It's not. And oh, we'll, okay. It's, it is, That's just what I assumed it was. It, it is what it isn't. I have, I have a lot of thoughts already, and uh-huh. I'm like three hours in. All so. right. It'll be a real interesting experience Ooh. when we get so to it. So you'll get the uh, experienced opinion and the brand new opinion. That's true. You've never played a Borderlands. No, before. no, I missed the boat on it real hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. This is next time. Yes. Next time we'll have this conversation. Enjoy it. Uh, in- <laughs> Enjoy that appetizer. Yeah. Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro. There you can find links to our Twitter, our YouTube, our Discord server where people like to talk about the game or recommend games to us. Uh, And while you're browsing around, you can check out our older episodes on the Pokemon Trading Card League over on uh, on No Clip Pocket, mm-hmm. Buddy Simulator, Buddy Sim. We mentioned several times Undertale. Yep, all came up. That's true. And I mean, the Deltarune second episode's got to be coming out eventually, eventually guys. Eventually. I've played it. All right. <laughs> we'll get, my way. I swear to Christ, we will get that out at eventually, some point. Yeah. yeah. Uh, draw. A like button. <laughs> Stab out your eye and put it in the comment section. To bring that up. <laughs> to initiate combat. <laughs> there is a bell that you ring in the game. I know, I know. <laughs> so it just, was it too obvious? I don't know about that. It just wasn't funny. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha
perfect balance on opposite ends of the card table. We're in perfect harmony. I <laughs> was so out of tune. <laughs> Clip that one. You mean it was in perfect harmony? Yeah, but it was perfect harmony. <laughs>